Hello and welcome to series two of The Joy of Writing. I'm your host, Mark Carew. In this series, I will be talking to authors about the fun, the satisfaction, the joy they get from their writing, whether it's prose fiction, narrative non-fiction or poetry. In this episode, Ed Parnell takes us through his thoughts and reactions on the publication of Ghostland and how it has affected the way he thinks about writing his next book. So, Ed, with Ghostland, which was your second book, uh, published last year, um, how was your own reaction to its publication um, compared with um, that of your first book, The Listeners, uh, in 2014? I think that the big difference was that it was um, my first book was published by quite a small um, small publisher, so it didn't have it was obviously available on Amazon and it was available in a few sort of local bookshops where I'd kind of had an arrangement with the, the manager, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But if you walked into a random Waterstones in Birmingham or something, mm-hmm. then they obviously wouldn't have a copy on the shelf. Um, they might have been able to order you one, but it was sort of, you know, it was as easy, to, it would be easy for, as easy for the customer to order one themselves. Yeah. So the big difference really with Ghostland, because it was published by William Collins, which is an imprint of HarperCollins, was that yeah. it was available in lots of shops. So that was a, a real thrill to be able to just sort of walk into a, a shop somewhere and see, oh, there's my book. It's, it's yeah. there on, on a table. So, yeah. Fantastic. And the launch for Ghostland, how was that so for you? I mean, that, that whole thing of it coming out as your second one, was that just as much a thrill as the first? I think it was because I'd, I suppose, you know, it was a bigger deal in that this was a book I'd, you know, I'd, I'd been commissioned to write and I'd been writing it for two and a bit years so you know and it was a very personal book so it it felt it felt really important for me that it was coming out not that the the first book was you know equally momentous in that regard but I suppose it it was a it was a relief to finally have it out and to actually see it because it was it's it's actually I'm I'm obviously biased but it's a really attractive book it's got a beautiful cover indeed it is by um, an artist called Richard Wells um, with lots of different sort of ghostly sort of horror motifs in there, but a really this lovely sort of woodcut style. Um, so you know, actually seeing the book and holding it, that that was a real thrill because I am a bit of a book lover. So I was really proud of just how how it had turned out, just physically. Um, you know, don't judge a book by its cover and all of that. But I was, I was kind of, I was, in a sense, I was quite happy to because if people looking at it would have thought oh, that's a, that's a nice looking book. So. Um, it really is. It's a very handsome book indeed. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm in. Uh, that, that's a, a, a great achievement itself. And for the um, for events, how did they? Did, were they the the readings and the sort of Q and A's with audience? Um, well, we had a book launch, which I sort of arranged with. There's a really nice independent bookshop in Norwich. Mm. Um, called the Book Hive, and um, we had it there, and we had a really good turnout. I'm not sure how many people there. It was all a bit of a whir in my in my head, yeah. but probably you know 50 odd people or something. So it, it, it sort of packed the space out, and it, it was really nice. And I got to you know chat to people I'd not seen for a while, and then new people who sort of come along and to, to who'd heard about it. So 
we had a but it, it was a kind of nice it wasn't it was a nice kind of personal event but it it, it was and in kind of quite a familiar setting to me but it was it was still a, re, a really you know I, I was I really enjoyed that particular evening then after that I did do a few I did a few kind of talks at things um, which were which were good. I, I mean, I did a, I did a few podcasts and stuff. I had to go down to London to do right. another a podcast for um, Monocle magazine, and I did an interview that was for the ITN website. So Excellent. I did a few things that were you know slightly nerve wracking. Um, you know, yeah. kind of a slight step up from I don't know local radio or something that I'd perhaps right. done before. So I had a few things like that, and then I had a few events where I you know, actually went and, and talked about the book. So. They were good too. I, I, I was obviously I'm due to be doing a lot more events this spring and summer, which unfortunately, due to the virus, have been cancelled. Yes. No, 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 um, there we go. That's yeah. And any interesting or insightful questions during these um, these events, which um, you particularly enjoyed or, or sort of got you thinking? I don't remember anything kind of that. I remember having interesting questions, but I don't remember anything kind of that sticks out that was either oh God, how do I answer that, or right, or yes, I'd never thought of that. Ah, yes, you you sort of enlightened me about something in the book I'd not realised. So <laughs> right, right. I don't. That doesn't that doesn't sort of jump out in my memory. Um, no, can't think of anything. So no, no particular interrogations or anybody uh, with a tidbit of historical information about one of your um, chapters? No, I've not had anyone sort of publicly in, in one of those events sort of stand up and say actually you were wrong there, that was um, <laughs> my error. Um, I've had yeah. people kind of put, it's been really nice when people have, because it's a book that travels around, I travel around the country quite a lot and it's a different site mm. so certainly had people who have you know either sort of asked a question or come up afterwards and chatted to me because they'd they were familiar. They were from a particular area that I was talking about, or you know, you had some little insights into one of the writers or one of the you know one of the films I was talking about, something like that. So that's that that's certainly been an interesting thing from it. Yeah, very good. Um, so so it really is um, a piece of um, well well the, the topic area is sort of psychogeography, isn't it? I mean, did, did, was that a thing that came up and uh, people would like to riff on that or? Um, I don't think so. Any events, I and mean, I think that's no. one of those that people kind of into psychogeography would right. probably kind of use it. And it's it's a little bit esoteric otherwise. It's one of those. I know uh, I did get questioned on on an interview I did about sort of well, can you define this or something? And it's right. uh, it's I'm not going to even attempt it again now. It's I find it kind of quite a quite a difficult term to to sort of explain to people really um but it's it's quite a voguish term i think at the minute but it is yeah i mean i, I find it a really interesting concept uh, i mean for me it seems to be um like a sort of place especially somewhere you grew up or you had a great connection with it's almost like a part of your mind um and, and you sort of carry it around with you and anybody who's um you know been there or or um has any experience of it then it seems a very personal sort of thing that it's your place and these places are very meaningful for you yeah and I suppose that is a lot of this book it's about my reaction to these places and most of the places in it well the places I, I chose to go and investigate they did have a 
a kind of prior personal resonance yeah. with me in, in some form or other. So, yeah, I, I can see that my book does kind of fit fit under that umbrella, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the umbrellas and, and genres and classification is is big in the book world, isn't it? You have to know where you know which shelf you're going to put it on in the uh, bookstore. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing with my book because it crosses over lots of different. So actually, when you do go and see it in books, because um, I went to sign some copies of a book in a, a shop in London, and I sort of turned up. Um, they knew I was coming, and but they didn't know. They'd forgotten, I think. So they, but they couldn't <laughs> then remember where it was because right. it could be in, it could be in biography, it could be in history, it could be yeah. in kind of cultural criticism. It's been in nature writing. It's. You know, there, there's lots of di- literature, kind of. There's lots of different places it could kind of fit under. Um, true, true. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's, it's a fascinating book. Um, and I suppose the very nice thing about it, is someone asked you to write it. Um, as you were saying, very special that you know you you were asked to write this this book, which turned out to be this very handsome thing. Yes, um, I suppose because briefly how it kind of came about is. I was, I was messing around, not writing, not writing another book, thinking yeah. of ideas for a, a second novel, and I had an idea that involved um, an idea for a novel that involved, as a bit part character, um, the Victorian Edwardian ghost story writer M. R. James, as a yes. so a Cambridge professor, and um, involving him in some form as a in his sort of Cambridge days just as a sort of little bit character. Um, it's actually, it's been done in another book, I hadn't realised at the time. Anyway, I, I went, I visited with a friend of mine um, initially, the place, the little village, uh, just outside Bury St Edmunds in Suffolk, where M.R. James grew up. Yeah. Um, and I just, and I went home, and it's a very atmospheric place, there's a strange lake and the church where James's father was the vicar. And I, I went home and, and wrote a sort of a, a blog, a blog sort of piece about it with lots of atmospheric photos and I guess like a month or two after that a few weeks after it this editor at Pop Collins emailed me to um, ask whether I'd ever, you know, he found this really interesting and had I ever thought mm-hmm. about writing a non-fiction book on this subject so I I kind of arranged a meeting with him and went down and, and saw him and we, we got on really well because we both had a, a shared love of crappy old sort of 1970s horror films and things <laughs> it's kind of you know the, this ghostly eerie weird literature as well yeah so um i met with him and then kind of went away thinking all right well he would be you know he said he'd be quite interested in me sending a proposal about this so i then mm-hmm. sort of went away to think about well because i hadn't thought of writing such a book until that thought had been put into my head yeah um I then sort of had to go away and think, well, if I were to, how would I do it? And then I kind of thought, well, you know, I'm not an expert on, on these particular writers. I mean, I'm very keen. I've been interested for many years in them, so I'm a big fan of their work. And I, it's a, you know, a genuine love and interest in in that kind of whole world. Mm. But I, I kind of then thought about the sort of family connection and how that tied in and my sort of own story and then thought, well, that's actually a way that I'd feel more comfortable. I'd have been probably more interested and more comfortable writing a book that also brought those elements in because 
you know, I feel kind of I have more confidence in, in telling my own story than yeah. being some sort of overarching literary critic of these people. So when I kind of thought, well, maybe the, actually there's a there's a way I could tackle this and look into my own kind of childhood and actually mm-hmm. lots of the places that featured in some of these films and stories were also places that featured in some way in my childhood as well. So once I, that then gave me the genesis for the idea that I then pitched back to them that, you know, fortunately they, they really liked and went for. So oh, excellent. I mean, talk about the power of a blog post. Yeah, well, there we go. I, That's amazing. It, it does show that kind of, you know, random things can happen that way. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure they don't very often, but I was, I guess I'd, I'd slogged away at writing for quite a lot of years and sort of had quite, a, you know, like everyone else had lots of knockbacks. So I was... Yeah happy to take the slice of good luck and kind well, of fix absolutely. it. absolutely. I mean, you made, you made that piece of luck. Them. Yeah. And what does this mean now for the next book? Um, do you know if it will be um, fiction or non-fiction? Um, I think, yeah, I think my current publisher, I'd hope, would be interested in, my and my current editor would be interested in um, another non-fiction book. Yeah. Uh, so I need to go away and that. <laughs> I, I have I have been thinking about that, but obviously a lot of the ideas I'm thinking about, a bit like this book, involve quite a lot of sort of travelling and, and moving around the place, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit more international travel than was in this book. And obviously at the moment that's that's problematic. So that yeah, kind of that's put the brakes on me, kind of really developing my idea too much at the minute but I will get round to it I think when I when I can see a bit more certainty as to the practicalities of I suppose at the minute I don't want to invest lots of time planning out a, a hypothetical book that then I can't actually write for time. No, so, no but it just might not be feasible yeah no you're right yeah. so we'll um, see what happens with that but I, I also do kind of I do harbour thoughts about writing another novel because obviously if if I am kind of stuck here at home for the next few months and I, I can't get on with the other book because it involves me wanting to go and do research in other locations. Then, you know, I, I'm sort of quite keen to, you know, maybe have a go at writing another novel as well. So that's that's a possibility. And your experiences from your two books. I mean, what have they taught you about um, productivity? You know, actually getting from idea to good you know fleshed out idea to someone interested in the idea to draft to um, publication I mean do you think the processes for yourself would get that would be the same or just more efficient or you, have you got sort of insights having gone through the process twice I mean I suppose I I do have some insights and I guess I have you know the more current insights um, with Ghostland because it's it's happened more recently, so I, I, I suppose I have a bit more. At this point, I feel slightly more confident on writing another non-fiction book as, as that process, because obviously it's been right. a while since. And even though the listeners came out in 2014, I started writing it in about 2006. So right, yeah. the book that was probably the first draft was probably finished in 2007, and then there was lots of editing and tweaking and trying to get a publisher. So. It's it's been longer since I've written that, so I suppose yeah. now I kind of think that I suspect that every book you write is a bit of a learning process again. And even though yeah. the one thing I guess you know if you've written a book or two books is that well, when I've written one book, I knew I could do it, and when I've yes. written two, I know I've I've been able to do it again. So that's 
probably as much as it tells me in that everything else I kind of feel that even almost every you know this this Ghostland had quite different chapters it's kind of quite episodic so even within that I think each chapter was almost there was an element of you were starting a project again so I see so even though I've, I've written two books I certainly don't feel like I'm you know I, I'm I'm the a fountain of knowledge or anything it's it's still right. and it's still a slog to do it and yeah still a slog to make I mean I think I realize by now that you know one of the the biggest battles I have is with myself is to actually make myself sit down and be productive and you know to to get around to doing it and I have kind of fits and starts with that but it's certainly you know that's not a I'm not one of these people who's wakes up at six and is there writing for four hours and has written you know two thousand words by lunchtime and then sort of you know it's always a battle with me definitely yeah no I, I think I mean I think that's the case with with most maybe maybe all writers. It, it's like starting again. Yeah. But you, you you've got great confidence that you can do it because you've done it um, once, twice, three times, whatever it is. Um, but it's not a walk in the park. That's for certain. You have to psych yourself up and get in the you know getting in the right routine and frame. Probably interested in it, haven't you? I think that's I mm. mean that's probably the the hardest thing. I think. I mean, I was really interested. I was. I was so into the idea of writing Ghostland, so you know that motivating myself in that regard wasn't too difficult. But yeah. thinking about the next book, you know, it's it's finding an idea that you think that you're going to be in, you know, it's going to hold your own interest for some yes. year. It's going to take to write or whatever. That's that's I think the thing that's the most terrifying because I don't really want to. I don't want to spend kind of six months starting something and then think, well, I'm bored of this or I'm, yeah. you know, I've exhausted it. So I've, I'm kind of very particular that I really want the idea to be well fleshed out before I... I think that maybe prevents me from getting on with stuff because actually you can start something and then other elements of it come as part of the process. But yeah. I, I like as many mental blocks in my way as possible just <laughs> to sort of procrastinate. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's relatively easy to have lots of ideas, but you've got to have the idea that keeps with you, that grows legs and survives all your yeah. thoughts about it, that you yeah. think, oh, okay, yeah, you might actually have something there that is worth working on um, and that will survive, like you say, past the first week, month or, or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that, that's the thing. So maybe all, all this stuff, procrastination, maybe, but... Maybe it's sort of silent mental writing. I think some of it is that. It is thinking about things um, and it's kind of processing those ideas. And yeah, um, there's there's certainly some of that. And I, I think probably what writing these two books has also taught me is not to not to worry too much about time passing or to yeah. think that there's, you know, if it takes another six months to um, before you're kind of comfortable to get on with it, then... I kind of figure that's okay, really. You know, it's yeah. nobody's kind of demanding me to write something in sort of in the, in six months' time or something. I'm not I'm not in a position where anybody wants to read my books enough that they're asking me to churn <laughs> them out or anything. So if it if it takes me a bit longer, you know, then yeah. fine. Because I guess if I don't enjoy doing it, then really, what's the point? Because quite right, quite right. And there's there's no point rushing to a defeat. Yeah. Um, uh, no need for that at all. So yeah, time is the thing, and you just have to wait for it to um, to come about, which I'm sure it will. 
Um, fantastic. Very, very interesting indeed. Uh, that insight into fiction and non-fiction and, and the whole process. Uh, fascinating stuff. Thank you very much, Ed, indeed. I will be talking with Ed Parnell again in the next episode, where we will learn how his experience teaching how to write narrative non-fiction to students informs his own writing, and we also learn about three books that proved influential to him. <laughs>